everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why Heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, Francine. Hi, Matt. This is our first official podcast in the series. And what we're going to start off with, what the agenda is today is, you know, this week has been kind of a crazy week. There's a, a lot in the news, so it's hard for Francine and I to, to whittle it down. But some of the top things, Subway is for sale. That's fascinating. What a brand. Um, so we'll go into that. And also, there is a Listeria outbreak right now. So 11 people over 12 – sorry, 11 people over – 10 states. It would be very difficult for 11 people over 12 states to get listerosis. <laughs> but 11 people over 10 states and the FDA is trying to figure out where the source is. And, and we'll go into why that is complicated for the FDA. And then uh, Francine has brought in some food safety myths. She's got a whole bunch of them and we'll go through. We'll finish off with a few of those. Um, but yeah, so we'll start with Subway. Francine, Subway is for sale. Did you – ever think that that would happen? No. Subway would decide to sell? No. I mean, they are the largest franchise. By like, like a huge amount. When I was looking at this, I didn't realize that there were 37,000 Subway restaurants in a hundred companies. I should, I should have thought that there were 37,000 of them because I think there's like four of them within a two mile radius of my house. <laughs> You can be there quickly, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I love Subway. Um, and um, they, you know, have been around for quite a while. I can't imagine what has made them to decide to sell. Yeah, you know what? That's in the articles, it doesn't show why that the, you know, they're going up for sale now. Maybe it's the price tag. Maybe they're just they're just done. But I know at the bottom of this article on CNBC, which we'll post the articles in the podcast link. I think we can post the articles in there. But the um, it says one of the co-founders, Peter Buck, died just a couple of years ago. So, I mean, in November 2021, and he left 50% of the owner ownership to a charity. So maybe the other owner was just like, hey, it's it's time. It's time to cash out. Years ago, they were really on top of their game years ago. And then, of course, there was a lot of controversy that went on and things kind of fell by the wayside there for a little while. And they seem to have, there was a little bit of a struggle, but they've rebounded. So if you're going to sell, the time to sell is after you have rebounded. I'm going to say that, you know, as a, as a health inspector, I, you know, was in and out of a lot of brands a lot of brands when I did health right. inspections and a lot of times they're not all created equal. Right. And I would, I would say that Subway did a good job most of the time. You know, they, they were, you hate to lay something out like that really, but I'm going to stick my neck out there and say that consistently there's a couple brands out there and Subway Subway did a good job. They their standards were consistent is the word that I'm looking for. 
they were fairly consistent in the way they did things in every single store. Right. And you knew, you know, some days I would get out of bed and it would be like, oh my God, I don't want to go to work today. <laughs> you know, and you're never going in looking for a problem. You would never, you know, I always told people, you know, we didn't get out of bed looking for a problem. We got out of bed every day, hoping for a good day, praying for a good day. And that was one of the places that typically I knew that I was going to have a decent day. You know, and it might be just because like the product is right there in front of you, right? Like as a consumer, when you're going down that line and you're asking for to put certain things in your, your sandwich or your salad, you're looking at the product there. So, I mean, it's not like it's in some sort of back room where you could pull some crud out and throw it onto a sandwich. It's it's right there in front of you. So that probably is why it's it's pretty fresh and overall good quality because you can't hide it. Well, not only that, but I believe they get their orders fairly frequently. There's not typically a lot of room for storage in the back rooms. Right, right, so right. they can't hoard a lot of things in the back room. So there's a lot of turnover of product. Right, because the, 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 the restaurants are like the size of a postage stamp. There's no right. real big refrigerator <laughs> in the back. Six Sigma is going, you know, they, they totally have a black belt in Six Sigma when it turns to when it comes to moving things on, yes. So, and and like you said, you know, with everything being right out front in front of the customer view, it's evident if it's clean. It's evident if the employees are washing their hands. Right. It's evident if they're not wearing their gloves. Evident when the employees are taking the temperatures. It's evident when people are doing things properly, just as well as it is when they, people aren't doing things properly. So again, you know, when a company's on top of their game and things are going well, that's the time to sell. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, in this article, they're talking about how they've closed 22, they closed like 22% of their restaurants from 2015 to 2021 and remodeled a whole bunch of them. And they're the per restaurant revenue has increased significantly. Now I agree with you. Now is the time. Uh, and $10 billion is a good paycheck. Like, so I guess 5 billion per one, one owner, one uh, charity. What a man. Can you imagine as a charity you getting that? I, I want to know what the charity are <laughs> going to get this, this paycheck. Cause that's going to be pretty awesome. And closing stores, people are, you know, might be sitting back and thinking, you know, they're closing all these stores and she's saying, you know, they're, they're, you know, doing, doing better. Closing stores isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Particularly when you have too many in, in one location. So then, you know, everybody then isn't going to be making enough money. There's only so many consumers that are going to be going to a subway. And if there are, you know, supply and demand, if there's way too much supply and not enough demand, the stores aren't going to do well. So yeah, you're right. Closing stores helps with overall restaurant revenue. And we, we see that here. Sometimes underperformers need to be hmm. taken away, you know, for whatever, how, whatever the reason is that they're underperforming, whether it be um, poor cash flow, um, poor profitability, poor standards. Bad management too. Right. So closing stores isn't, sometimes that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm intrigued to see who's going to pick this up. Is it going to be something like a focus brand or something like that, that's, that kind of buys up a bunch of brands? And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, having this conversation, Francine, five years from now, we're going to be like, oh, Subway was so much better prior to that purchase. Or is it going to be, man, no changes at all? Or, oh, this is so much better. I don't know. It's. Because we see that all the time. It could go any way, depending upon who purchases it. 
Did you see Subway has actually introduced a vending machine? Did you see that? No. Subway has vending machines. They're called smart fridges. And they have this plan for these smart fridges where you can actually order the product out of these smart refrigerators. I I don't know exactly how they work, but you can actually see these. They're on YouTube, but they're Subway vending machines where you can order a Subway sandwich out of a vending machine. But I was looking for one of them when I was in Miami fairly recently. Didn't see one in the airport, but the next time you're going through an airport, look for one of those and see if you can find them. They're in select locations throughout the country. If I was in Miami, I'd be like, man, can I have a Subway Cuban sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) Does this vending machine make that? (laughs) My point is, even though they're for sale, they're not stopping, you know, they're with technology and their forward thinking process. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you'd be like, man, if, am I going to operate a franchise or can I just buy a dozen of these vending machines? Cause if I could buy a dozen of these vending machines, I put it in every college. Ah, you know, I put it in every single college and, and um, probably my, my sales would be super high about 11 PM or two, 2 AM when kids come back <laughs> drunk and there's nothing open and like, oh, I got a Subway sandwich. You need one of these for your house. No, I need one of these for my house. That is true. Then I just got to fill it up and my kids be like, hey, go get a sandwich. Tracy probably be on board. Subway, somebody from Subway could come fill this thing up. Yeah, they're across the street. They, they, they don't even have to drive very far. They just come over. And, yeah, totally. Just take my refrigerator out and stick a vending machine in. Right next to a soda machine too. I need a soda fountain machine in my house. Except you know That'd what? Be awesome. Is your kids are going to come to you for money to put into these machines. So, and you probably only get a cut of the profit. Yeah, they they probably frown upon me buying the material or the product from Sam's Club <laughs> and Costco. Oh, oh, wait a minute. So now we need to talk about approved suppliers. <laughs> <laughs> And how that works in the in the food service world. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, well, I mean, we can go to suppliers now because, yeah. So the FDA just yesterday on Food Safety News. I don't know if you saw this, but there's a new listeria outbreak, and that's that's scary. So eleven people across ten states infected, and the FDA is trying to figure out where it came from. And it's this is this is one of those interesting things because the the length of time between consuming E. coli salmonella and getting sick is like anywhere from three to seven days, depending upon if it's E. coli and salmonella. But listeria could be a, a month, two weeks to six weeks. So and and how the FDA figures out where the the product came from that gave somebody listeriosis is. They have to ask you what you ate every single day for six weeks. Francine, do you remember what you ate yesterday? (laughs) I know that I had a chocolate cupcake with peanut butter in it because my husband got me one of those for Valentine's Day. Actually got me a few. (laughs) So I know that I had one of those. Beyond that, what I've eaten for the last Several, I could not, I couldn't tell you. I don't have a clue. Now, when I was traveling a lot, I had receipts. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, you know, then I could, you know, pull out the receipts and tell you what I ate. But, 
no, people don't know. We don't know what we ate. We have, we don't have a clue what we ate. No, and that's scary because listeriosis is really bad. I mean, it takes a lot to get sick with listeria unless you're already immunocompromised. It takes a lot to get sick with listeria. But when you are sick, you are sick. Right. I mean, like 90%, over 90% are hospitalized. I wrote an article about this. I'll post this down below. Francine, you probably have some articles written about this too. We'll post that down. But listeria is an interesting one because if you get sick, you get really sick. You go to the hospital and 20 to 30% of the people that go to the hospital die. It's a huge amount, very different than E. coli and salmonella where very few people actually die. I mean, you can get really sick and, you know, have to have kidney transplants and stuff, but not a lot of people die compared to getting sick. Um, This is very different. And if you're pregnant, I mean, the the fetus, the the baby gets aborted with, with listeriosis. It's a nasty, nasty one. And it's so hard to track in the supply chain because you have to go back so far it's crazy well right and and then consider your odds if you're healthy are bad enough but if you're in one of those high risk or immunocompromised categories your risk of not surviving increases even more um yeah not surviving and oftentimes people don't even think about that and it's like you said it's very very scary and then when you know you consider the fact that uh, the fda has no idea where it's it's coming from. It's very, very difficult to trace this back, try to figure out where it's coming from. And every day, you know, we continue to eat food. Right. It's almost like Russian roulette, you know? Right. And why I want to bring this up, because why I want to bring this up is because, um, you know, this, this is going to be something that you and I are probably going to be talking about in these podcasts for the next month, because we, there may be another dozen to a couple dozen people that get sick with this outbreak. So, I mean, it could be another couple dozen. And then, unfortunately, that is what actually helps the FDA figure out where it came from. Right. Because it's just more and more variables, more and more data. But I rarely see it happen without a facility being involved. And unfortunately, it takes the illnesses to continue to happen to figure out where it's coming from. And hopefully nobody will die. Yeah, hopefully nobody dies. But I was looking at this article here. It says the age range is from 47 to 88 years old. Which makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. But 63% of the patients are female. That I find is interesting. I don't know. This is going to be going on for a while. This is going to be one that um, right now it's just in the nerd news, right? Like you and I know about it. But uh, I, I see this once they figure out where it came from or if it gets bigger and bigger or unfortunately, if someone dies, then this is going to end up being national news and people are going to know about it. Right. Do you remember, and I'm sure you do, several years ago, the, um, the spinach outbreak? Oh, yeah. Well, there's been multiple spinach outbreaks. You mean the one from like 2006? Yes. Where I don't remember the numbers at this point, but a lot of people. Yeah, but that little two-year-old died and everything. Yes. A lot of people got sick. I can remember up to that point. Now, this was a long time ago. So I wasn't as, you know, versed in things as I am now. But there were a couple schools of thought on whether or not you washed your bagged 
spinach, your bag mixed right. greens at that point. There still are. There still are. Um, some people say, no, you shouldn't because you um, risk further contaminating the product. Some people say, absolutely, right. you should always you should always wash those regardless. I knew better. You know what I mean? I, I knew that my opinion is that you you should. So I was traveling a lot then a lot and I would get home late late at night and oftentimes I hadn't eaten because you know I just when I'm traveling I travel I just want to get home (laughs) and I would come home and I would oftentimes there would be a bag of spinach or mixed greens or something in my refrigerator and I would just grab that bag pull something out of that bag and throw it in a bowl dump dressing on it and eat it. Oftentimes it'd be like two o'clock in the morning when I would get home and it was just something. So I wouldn't still be hungry when I went to bed. And, you know, it would enter my mind that, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this, but I'm healthy. It'll be, I'll be okay. There was a woman that got very, very sick. She may have actually, I can't remember if she passed away or not. Um, very, very close to where I live that was affected by that outbreak. And I can remember thinking, Oh my God, I am so lucky. So, so lucky. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I don't I don't wash my leafy greens at all. None of them? I don't ever wash my leafy greens at all. Nope. <laughs> the re- one of the reasons why is because I am positive my sink is dirtier than that lettuce. <laughs> There's no way to control 14 people in my house. Like, there, no, I'm, I'm positive it is. But also it's, it's, it's I don't know. I'm, it's already washed. I don't know. It's, I, I feel like my mother-in-law has this like salad bowl washing thing, you know, that spins it and all that stuff. The spinner. Yeah. The spinner. She, she'll, she, when we make like big salads for dinner, she, she'll, she'll do that. But other than that, no, I just grab a handful, wash my hands, grab a handful and throw it on a plate. Oh, so if you get a head of lettuce, you do wash that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so the way no, that... No, 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 you get like the... Like the, the, the bag big, lettuce, you don't wash. Yeah, the bag lettuce or like the big containers. Usually, I don't even get bag lettuce. You know, there's so many people in my house. I got like the four pack leafy green and spinach mix and nah, I just throw it on. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll wash my lettuce in the sink right after I wash my chicken. <laughs> adds a little protein. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those guys who who have zero comprehension of sarcasm, that was absolutely sarcastic. Don't do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, my it's, God. It makes it better. No. It's like a chicken salad without cooking the chicken. Oh, my God. No. Well, you know, truth be known, most kitchen sinks are filthy. If you ever have – if you buy a house and they do a water test because, you know, if you have a well, they're going to do a water test to check for colif- yeah. coliform and E. coli. They don't do it in the kitchen sink. They don't pull that water from the kitchen sink. No. They pull it from the bathroom sink because your kitchen sink is the dirtiest sink in the house. Yeah. And I'm positive the sink is dirtier than the lettuce. So those of you guys don't know, I started my career in produce, produce certification. So I have been personally in many of these processing plants that process lettuce those facilities are significantly cleaner than my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> they, it is almost like a clean room in these facilities. They, like Taylor and Dole and Ready Pack, they, their sanitization 
regiment is is pretty pretty darn good. So I, I kind of trust that. I, I maybe I'm too trusting. I don't know. I I but I definitely trust that their facility and that lettuce is cleaner than my sink. So you may be different because you know you if you only have two people in the house and you can control that and you're constantly bleaching it, then go right ahead. If not, do not wash your lettuce in your sink. The average person does not pull the aerator off their kitchen faucet and clean it. <laughs> no. Some people don't know what the aerator even is. So yes. in that case, you're probably right. Yeah. Especially if they're washing their chicken. I mean, good God. <laughs> oh my land. And, oh, I posted something on LinkedIn and and then put it to Facebook. Everybody on LinkedIn was like, yeah, no, I know never wash chicken in the sink because everybody on, I know on LinkedIn are, you know, food safety nerds, or at least in the food industry. But I put on Facebook, holy cow. It was like I just killed a golden calf or you know, <laughs> I just murdered someone's mom. People came out at, on, on Facebook like, of course you wash your chicken. That is so nasty coming out of the back kitchen. Oh, my land. No, please. The FDA wrote – when the FDA says don't do something, don't do it. <laughs> They're the experts. I get flabbergasted at the amount of people that will just downright argue and then just act as if not only we don't know what we're talking about or saying, which that's that's fine, but then the FDA doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and then the CDC sometimes doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, no, but Francine, they've been doing it for generations, right? Their grandma did it. Their mom did it. They did it, so obviously it's right. And I'm like, well, um, did your grandma spank your mom? Did your mom spank you? Do you spank your children? Like things change over years. <laughs> right. Science back when grandma was there is very different than science today. Not only that, but things evolve and things change over the years. Yeah. Things mutate. So it's like what worked a hundred years ago may not work today. Right. For a variety of reasons, we no longer have to cook pork to the point that it's like shoe leather because we figured out what was causing the parasites in the pork. So we don't any longer have to do that. But, you know, when my grandmother was cooking pork, she cooked it till it was like shoe leather. Some people still choose to, but you don't have to. Yeah, I could use a good parasite. <sighs> Been trying to lose weight for a while. God, it's like the good old days. You can eat whatever you want, and the parasites ate it too. Like, is there such thing as a tapeworm diet? And where do you get that? Because that'd be kind of nice. You know what? If you Google, I think you can actually order one online. No, can you? You're gonna get in so much trouble. Want, can I get it on Amazon? Deliver it to my door. That'd be awesome. My wife was like, "What's in there?" Uh, a new pet. <laughs> now you know what the process for having this thing removed is, right? You might want to Google that too. Oh no, what is that? I I believe there was an Amy Poehler movie where they showed at one being re extracted. Yeah, it's extracted. Not, it's, I I feel like if you go any further, we're gonna have to put like some sort of warning. Uh, yeah, it's adult not, only, not safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, talking to us uh, or having dinner with one of us is not someplace, something most people want to do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my wife was, was like, can you please just, while we're at dinner, not talk about your job? <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. Fine, I won't, I won't talk about, you know, like, oh, where did you get that from? Oh, that's where the band 
<laughs> companies that I'm like, no, I don't eat from there. <laughs> so let me talk you talk tell you about the cockroaches that we found in the soup over there the other day. <laughs> right. I mean, you have like a list of restaurants probably you don't eat from. I had like a list of suppliers. I was like, I've audited that company. I had my one of my auditors audited that like four times in a row. And they failed every time. I'm, I'm I have a city. <laughs> you have a city? <laughs> Where I don't eat. Like, I'm not going to eat anything from this city. <laughs> Where I don't eat 95% of the restaurants. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, in all fairness, when I took over, it was much different than when I left many years later. So I was very proud of that. It was much, much different. You know what? That that city probably had your picture on the wall and said, don't serve this woman. Well, it wasn't necessarily don't serve her. It was like, when you see her coming, lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> Just start pouring bleach everywhere. <laughs> the first couple of years, it was pretty um, rough. But they hadn't had a health inspector, a legitimate health inspector in a number of years. You know, the first day that I went in to do health inspections, first place I went in, they said, I'm sorry, you have to schedule an appointment. I said, I thought they were kidding. I said, excuse me. They said, you have to, you have to schedule an appointment before you can do the health inspection. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, You're going to have to come back. I said, that's not how this works. Wow. <laughs> oh, Matt, there were instances where I had to call the police for police protection. Oh, I, we don't have time to get into it today, but we could do a whole episode on just experiences that I had. Well, you know, I wrote a book. And yeah. Again, I don't have it published yet, but uh, some of the experiences from having somebody pull a gun on me to just, you know, several times having to call the police for an escort into the property, wants to get me out of the property. <laughs> Because there was literally a mob of people because I shut down this this place in a farmer's market. Oh, I remember that in your book, The Butcher, right? Yes. The bacon was over 70 degrees and everybody was pissed <laughs> off because I shut down this meat market in, within the farmer's market and they wanted to buy the meat. It's like, good God, if you eat this stuff, you're going to get sick. You might die. And it was, oh my God, it was awful. We had to call the police to get a police escort because there was this whole mob mentality. People were yelling and they were screaming. And it was like <laughs> the person that was with me, assistant, was, um, and it's so funny because she was like six feet tall. And, you know, here I am, you know, this five foot tall woman and these people are chanting and they're yelling and they're, <laughs> they're angry. <laughs> and she just turned, she had like this deer in headlights look. And I'm like, you know what? You need to just turn around, walk over there. You need to call the police because um, we had their direct number. And I like that you had to call the police so often. They're probably like, hey, Francine, how are you doing today? <laughs> well, we had their number and they knew that if we called, we really needed help or otherwise we would not have called. So she turned around to call them. In the meantime, I'm, you know, barely five feet tall and I can barely see over the counter. All they can probably see is my eyeballs from here up. And I'm like managing this mob, you know, until the police get there. Fortunately, it only took a couple minutes for them to get there. But it was, it's one of the most crazy experiences of my life. It was, it was so crazy. 
Um, but yeah, that was an experience. But there were many, many over the years. Let's go ahead and talk about some food safety myths. Uh, we've all heard some crazy things over the years. You know, there's the um, there's the five second rule. <laughs> there's if it doesn't smell bad, it's okay to eat. Uh, there's a whole lot of crazy things out there. I love blue cheese. It smells bad. I still eat it. So do I. I love blue cheese. Um, and it smells like rotten feet. <laughs> smells like my daughter's feet did. Whenever <laughs> She's going to love that I said that when she ran track in high school. You know, and this was I when we were, you know, having issues the other day, right before we started to record and we didn't really get to go much further, I read an article and I was so infuriated. Sometimes I wish people could be held accountable for what they publish. Oh, yes. Um, And I can't remember where I read it or who published it, but it was an article on sustainability and about how much food is wasted in the country. And this, I believe it was a woman in this article, she said, if your food doesn't smell bad, essentially don't throw it away. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? That's not true. You can't be printing this stuff out there where thousands of people read it. And because you were allowed to write this article for this publication, people believe it's true. Back to the listeria thing, right? You can't smell listeria. You can't smell E. coli. You can't smell salmonella. Um, you can smell though mold and rot. So there is a little truth to that. I mean, if it does smell bad, throw it away. <laughs> okay. That's true. But just because it doesn't smell bad, right, doesn't mean that it isn't. And just because you ate something that was bad a month ago and didn't get sick, doesn't mean that when you eat it the next time that you won't get sick. Right. Or if your mother eats it, she's not going to get sick. Right. So there's all these myths and misconceptions out there that people believe and that some people were writing about and publishing. Right. And particularly if the product has lost spices. So the other day I made birria tacos and I put like a bunch of cumin and a bunch of cinnamon and all that stuff. And 10 days later, my daughter pulls it out and smells it. She's like, oh, I think... I think this this still smells good. It's probably still good. I said, no, it's not. It's not. It smells good because I put a ton of spices in it. <laughs> but it is, no, no, don't eat that. Please don't eat that. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because a lot of cultures where, you know, across the equator where meat was spoiled really, really fast, use tons of spices. And, you know, it's been like a cultural thing to just kind of hide any rot with overpowering it with amazing spices, which tastes great. Like if you Indian food, Mexican food, et cetera, et cetera, tastes amazing, lots of spices. But yeah, if it's 14 days in your, or more than, more than five <laughs> days in your refrigerator and it smells good, it's because it's supposed to. <laughs> I want you to know you just made me feel really good because every time my daughter-in-law comes to my house, she cleans out my refrigerator. Because I've got things in there, you know, that I should have thrown away, but I haven't quite got to yet because I'm busy. Right. Wait, Francine. <laughs> like, no, busy? I don't need that. <laughs> no, nobody can see this, by the way, because it's a podcast. But Francine's like five foot and she's she's drinking a, like a 16 ounce monster and it's four o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon on a Friday. <laughs> 
So you should you should okay. go away. You, you're drinking this monster. You should have plenty of energy when you get home to clean your refrigerator out. I don't do this every afternoon, just so you know. <laughs> you're not supposed to be telling on me. <laughs> so yeah, that is a huge myth. And you know, that that is probably one one that you can people that are listening to me, whether they can see me or not can tell that I'm very passionate about some of this. And it's a good thing. We both talk with our hands. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I talk to myself with my hands. You know, like when I pray, I, I, I don't pray with my hands together like this. I pray like this because usually I'm like, God, why? <laughs> <laughs> and my hands are moving and my wife will come in and she's like, there's no one here. Why, why do you still have to use your hands? <laughs> anyway, we've been at this now for probably close to 45 minutes. Um, that was only one myth. Yeah, yeah. I think we should do it. We could end it with myths or TikTok, crazy TikTok trends. Like uh, we should, we should do one on the NyQuil chicken. That would be good. We'll do that maybe next time. Like things not to do. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for Don't Eat Poop, and uh, we look forward to having you back next week. <laughs>